Okay, you guys ready? Yeah, sure. ready for ready. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. That was it my was lightsaber. Not- I was messing with it. I should probably put it down. Why are you messing with a lightsaber on the podcast, Corey? <laughs> this I is unprofessional. Need something this to is not a professional with. podcast. Are we ready now, Corey? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of Light Novels in Your Ears. Uh, my name is Helen. April is with us. Hi. And Corey has his laptop. Well, not laptop. He has his desktop assembled this time, so he was able to join us. Hi, Corey. Hello. I'm here. It's Wednesday. Yep. Well, I, I remember for our first episode, you um, had your computer still in pieces, so you <laughs> <laughs> did not sure join is. us in talking about Sexiled. Yeah. And for this one, Corey asked me to think of the strangest light novel I could, and... I blanked you guys. I just could not. In hindsight, I should have recommended um, Reborn as a Vending Machine, I Now Wander the Dungeon. But I didn't think about that one until too late. <laughs> I'm not making that title up either. I mean, I might have like slightly misremembered it, but I that is like 95% the title. It's got a on it too. But, <laughs> so, for this time, we are reading a series that I enjoy quite a bit called Tear Moon Empire. And so, we are continuing two for two. No isekai yet in here. Um... Tear Moon Empire is a story of Princess Mia, who's grown up as the singular princess of the Tear Moon Empire. And uh, life has not been going so well. There's been some peasant uprisings, some rebellions, yada, yada, yada. She's been in prison for a while. And then she wakes up and she goes, oh, great, that was just a dream. Oh, thank God, you know. Wait a minute, why do I have two diaries? And one is, why is one of them soaked in blood? Oh, my God, that's my blood from when I was guillotined. I have gone back in time to my 12-year-old self. And I do not want to die, so now I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that this does not come to pass. <laughs> and so Mia is able to use her diary and her own memories to remember, okay, so something's happened, I wasn't really close to a lot of people, there was a big famine, so we definitely need to make sure we've got a way to either stave that off or a lot of food supplies, especially since my country has this really weird strain of anti-agriculturalism, which will be a plot point in later volumes. I know you guys only read the first volume, but it actually comes up later on. And so Mia is now redoing her, uh, like, young teen years and doing it very differently than before. Like, in her first life, she was really infatuated with this first prince of another kingdom, Sol Sunkand, and she tried to go after him, and he just wasn't interested in her. But this time around, she's thinking more strategically. She's thinking, like, I need allies. Okay, I'll go for this second prince of another kingdom he's more likely to get on my side and she does um recruit prince abel over to her side and so she's also recruiting some people that she had met later on in her life the first time around we're gonna help her with finances and build like stronger ties so that she can you know just generally get everybody to like her enough to the point where she will not be guillotined in the future i don't remember if this character comes up in the first volume it might have been a later volume but one of the people she even gets on her side eventually is the guy who was the guillotiner, the executor. Second volume, so she's yeah. having, yeah, she's having very conflicted thoughts over this. Because of course this guy doesn't know why Mia is so unsettled in his presence. But Mia is like, this dude killed me. I don't like this. 
And I've probably been making Princess Mia to sound like this, you know, grand, noble character, but no, she is just kind of chaotic. Not like a gremlin sort of way, but in a... Mia really likes sweets, so at least 50% of her life choices are motivated by, if I do this, I can ensure that I have good sweets for my tea party. Stuff along those lines. Like, of course, you've got a famine, you know, nobody's going to be eating cakes and cookies and stuff like that. You know, that's just not going to work. But since she is displaying um, a little bit of wisdom beyond her years of being 12, a lot of the people around her misinterpret Mia's actions as being like these big, bold, noble things, and that inspires them to work harder. And the narrator for the series has a very low opinion of everyone thinking these thoughts. The narrator is very lemony about just like, and Mia said such and such, and she was thinking X, but everyone else interpreted it as Y, yada yada yada, aren't they all silly? But that is why I've come to really enjoy this series. Also, later volumes have great lines. Um, I know I was posting a couple on Twitter a few months ago when I was doing a review, and um, I know both of you guys only got to one volume, but I hope you guys enjoyed that one volume. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this one. I think uh, part of it for me, uh, especially because it was a light novel instead of a manga, I had a hard time like picturing the actual like setting i know that we're probably not supposed to know the entire setting now and it's the first of like several volumes but i really had a hard time like kind of picturing where they were or what it looked like or so that was i think the world building for me i had a hard time getting into i liked i liked the characters and prince i think it's prince abel especially like i really kind of liked his like internal conflict but i think maybe because it was a light novel and a fantasy light novel i was looking for like more world building and it jumped right into the characters and i didn't really have a sense of where they were what'd you think Corey? uh yeah that's true um i looking back on it now i felt the same way but i also didn't think it was uh too crucial to the story that i was telling at the time at least um as the volumes go on and on i assume it uh, fleshes out the empire a little. Uh, I think in the second volume, I even saw a map. Um, and I got about a third, third of the way through the second volume before we started recording. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, I liked uh, I liked Mia as a as a character. She is very motivated by Sweeks, as Helen said, but she is also motivated by not having her head cut off, which is very understandable. Um, and everything is kind of driven by that. Uh, and since she is technically... Uh, brain 20 years old i don't know what the actual term i'm looking for is um but appears as a 12 year old people see her as uh a wiser person than she is and she is still not really that wise yeah Uh, (laughs) she just has the knowledge of foresight uh of literally knowing what is going to happen so she wants to do all of these things um, I believe also in the second volume, she sets it up so that she has, or she, the Empire has, this constant source of food to help with the famine, and she is instructing Ludwig, her um, her economist helper person, to stockpile food um, to a point that he sees as unreasonable in in good times, which it is good times uh, up to this point. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was enjoyable, and I liked I liked the uh, the. Um, interactions between all of these characters and especially me knowing like oh this person really caused my death uh so i don't like them i think one of the parts that i like too is something that hell had mentioned where there's the the narrator that's always like they they 
thought she meant this, but she actually meant this, or that everybody's kind of like not completely understanding each other. I think I think that was one of the things that made me consider maybe looking at another volume of it because because it's obvious that stu- that like things aren't going to pan out the way that she thinks, and it's hinted out hinted throughout a lot of this first volume. But I feel like a lot of this first volume is set up just because the series seems like it's so long. So I definitely feel like it needs uh, two or three more volumes. Well, the interesting thing is that the series was originally only going to be like two volumes. And that's why I was saying, you know, if you guys could read two, that's great because that wraps up an arc. If not, I mean, the first volume, that better, you know, either grab your interest or not grab your interest. And you can really tell at the end of the first volume, it's, um, sorry, not the first one, at the end of the second volume that we've kind of wrapped up what seems like the current conflict. Mia's, you know, successfully averted getting killed so her diary vanishes and then the third volume starts and she's like there's another suspicious book here in the library what the heck <laughs> and then her granddaughter from the future appears and her granddaughter has the name mia bell and uh, mia's thinking oh i guess my children her parents just took mine and abel's names and put them together for her name that's so cute and me and bell's like no grandma the- grandma mia you were the one who gave me this name and she's oh. like what the fuck am i thinking in the future <laughs> what is my future self doing here and then, of course, you know, um, her granddaughter has also come from a bad future, so they're trying to figure that out. And then, sort of like the overarching villains are introduced in the second volume, because it turns out it wasn't just, you know, a random, you know, revolution that overthrew Mia. Since, as the second volume starts, you know, she's short up Tear Moon, it looks like they're not going to go towards that. So this group, called the Chaos Serpents, which I'll admit definitely sounds like something out of Fire Emblem, but it's not. <laughs> Um, they actually turn their eyes towards Renmo, one, uh, one of the other kingdoms, and try to overthrow that one. Um, I, I just enjoy how silly this is in some ways as I'm trying to explain it. Or as I'm trying to explain things like the, cul- the cultural hatred of agriculturalism becomes a plot point later on. Like, this is a kingdom that was specifically engineered to fail in some ways, and part of that was... We're going to make them not really want to grow their own food and to look down on everyone who does grow their own food. (laughs) Yeah, they specifically called out the history of that in, I believe it was the second volume, maybe it was the later first volume, but in any case, whenever it happened, they called it out saying that uh, the Kiermoon Empire is former uh, hunters and they came in and subjugated the, uh, the agricultural people, so they looked down on these people that they subjugated and stole their land from, um... Which really goes back to, you know, world history of uh, everyone has stolen Ling from somebody. And I don't know where these everyone came from, but I don't like them. Uh, they came from the other side of, like, a small inland ocean that comes up a little later. I mean, it's that, that's not, like, a plot point or anything like that. It's just background, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I know that the story doesn't really flesh out the setting terribly much. But for me, I wasn't as concerned of the setting. I know, I, I am usually so much about the world building. But for me, I felt like the story was much more concerned with the characters and their interactions and how their interactions are driving the world around them. Since Mia spends a lot of time at the school, which is for like the nobles and elites of several countries. So she's, you know, with a couple of princes. She's with, you know, some other girls who are the princesses or the equivalent of princesses in their own country. All that jazz. So these are all kids who will someday come to influence future politics i guess yeah. i don't know I, and i never know if you call it politics or not when it's like you know a hereditary monarchy but that's a conversation for a different time <laughs> but yeah, yes I, this is a series i love quite a bit 
And I really do wish it would get an anime just so more people would find out about it. Although yeah, I'm glad that it it's at make least really getting yeah, it's at least getting physical volumes over here. I had Justin over at the OASG nabbed me a copy at Anime New York City since they were giving away like if you bought volume one, they would give you like a special dust jacket cover for it. So I was like, Ooh, get me one. I will PayPal you the money. <laughs> it's okay. He was already going over there for a bookworm one. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think he's really smart too, for the, uh, for the book to start, um, in next school. Well, not like start directly in next school, but really have a bulk of this first volume in the school where it allows the, um, the world building really to not be nearly as necessary as if it started, uh, and really set itself in the Tier Moon Empire and in the the royal castle or or whatever, um, because really we're getting X. Who is this person? What is their relation to Tier Moon? But uh, honestly, since we're still in the school, it doesn't matter where their location is. It just matters uh, what that relationship is, and that's a really smart way of, build, of world building there. Um, but Volume Two starts with summer vacation, which it becomes immediately more important where things are. Um, like, they went back and forth between uh, the Lulu tribe and Rudolvan, and I I saw the map, so, like, I have a vague idea of where that is and how long it takes, because they said. But uh, beyond that, it's, like, it's kind of a struggle. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like about ebooks is that you can't put as many bookmarks down, so it gets a little harder to, like, flip back and forth with the map. But that's probably just out of habit for how I normally, you know, treat maps and like a physical book where I'll just stick like a physical bookmark there and then flip back and forth as needed. Because, yep. yeah, I don't usually pay attention, too much attention to the map here. And I will say that Mia does, um, friend is not quite the right word. She does turn some of the other nobles from Tier Moon into her allies later on. They have like little arcs where she's like in a horse riding contest against one of them with these insanely fast and opinionated horses. Um, there's an island adventure where they get stranded on a desert island. Um, uh, there's someone else she just sort of bullies into being in the student council for. Because, oh, yeah, Mia, Mia also has to run for, like, student council president. Because, like, one of the things she hears from her granddaughter is that, oh, Miss Rafina, you know, here, you know, really it was her becoming the student council president that set her up to become, you know, such a hard-ass later in life and, like, lead a rebellion against Tier Moon. So, Mia, you have to become the student council president instead. And Mia's number one goal is to not get beheaded in life. So... And her number two goal is to eat as many sweets as she can. But you got you got to still be alive for that. So you know, number one is the new beheading. Yeah, very important goal. Yeah, very important goal. I hadn't <sighs> thought about that the the school setting was a good way to establish the relationships, but not actually worry so much about the physical world. Because I wondered about that for a large chunk of the book. Like, why is this? Why is this in a school setting? But that's a good point that it's there to kind of establish the relationships between the characters and the rivalries and all of that. And then you have the the standard school stuff like the what the 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 Valentine's was it Valentine's Day? Maybe not. Where they trade lunch boxes or whatever. I thought that was funny when they, when they tried to make sandwiches and they kept making a sandwich shaped like a horse. That was funny. I gotta laugh at that. <laughs> Yeah, the, all, all the guys in the series are, like, resolutely determined to not let Mia ever cook food again. Or to let her, like, go picking mushrooms. And she's like, I love mushrooms. And they're all like, oh, God, we're going to fucking die if she picks <laughs> the mushrooms. They don't understand that Mia spent time, like, studying, like, survivalism techniques. So her idea is that if she ever does get deposed, then she could just go on the run, you know, and be able to forge in the wilderness as she's making her way to another country. <laughs> Which is also why she joined the uh, equestrian club or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> so she could ride a horse. Yes. Because horses are faster than humans, as it turns out. But yeah, you were mentioning the setting. In a later volume, she's finding out that, like, um, much like her diary, 
the book that Belle brings with her also seems to like get rewritten as the future gets changed. And so she, at one point it's saying that she's going to like leave the Island in the middle of the school festival. And that's going to be the last day ever see of her. And she's like, why on earth would I do that? And so she's like trying to think of all these things she can do on the day of to like convince her to stay there. And she's like, and she's thinking to herself, you know, I'm guessing something really important is going to come up. You know, if they're going to figure out a way to get me off this Island, but you know, I'm going to try to like, you know, just like be so happy and so entertained. I won't even be tempted to go off this Island. <laughs> but yeah, I like the series a lot. I'm glad you guys don't hate it. <laughs> no, I definitely don't hate it. I would be willing to look at the second volume. I really, I do kind of regret not reading that second that second volume because I feel like it needed both of them. The that first one really felt like it was a, um, established and everything, but the characters are fun and their interactions are fun. Yeah, and this is something that I would not have picked up normally. So I'm glad that we have our yearly light novel. <laughs> it's hard to believe that it's been a year since we've done the other one. That's I feel like we just did that. <laughs> we do this every three weeks, April. We talk about light novels. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, and I do think that the art in the series is pretty cute. There, there are some very good Mia faces across the volumes. Yeah. I'll have to send you guys some of the better ones in chat. Since of course, I take screenshots of them and put them in my reviews. Yeah. <laughs> that, is a pr- that is a purpose. You know, if I post good screenshots and people get interested and they read the stuff I like, and then I have more people to talk about it with. This is like one of my number one goals in life, just to get people to talk about things with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're in the right medium for that then. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I found it interesting how... Uh, or if I, yeah, if I, I think it was interesting. Maybe it was kind of weird. I don't know. It was one of the words. Uh, how they keep describing Mia as like, well, she is somewhere between pretty good and okay. And you might lean toward pretty good if you had to choose one or the other. Uh, but really, she kind of just looks like a cute anime girl. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she is like pretty good, quote unquote. Oh, you mean appearance-wise? Yeah. Yeah, I, I always felt like Mia was, like, firmly on the side of cute. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, and there is, uh, there's the famine that's, com- that's coming, um, but there's also a plague that is coming as well, which, like, exacerbates the famine. Um, well, they've got to get through the famine first, so... <laughs> yep. So, like, one of the things that she does is create a hospital uh, in the, in the right. slum district because it's, like, really dirty. Uh, their concern in the slums is just survival to the next day so they don't really care for hygiene or anything like that um but she creates hospital creates public medicine good for her um and it really improves the uh the situation in the slums much such to the point that people start cleaning around it people are healthier people are getting more food and um you know a lesson for all yeah, and much like an overly elaborate JRPG side quest, you know, by doing this, she gets into good graces with the church. And so, you know, um, she gains some allies there. And there's a boy that she helps with at first, and she recognize, and he gives her, like, his hairpin or something. Yeah. And people recognize it later as, like, he's actually a member of the Lulu tribe who got separated from his family. So she's able to reunite them and then, you know, bring greater relations between the Lulu tribe and, like, um, the Tier Moon Empire as a whole. And it's like, like I said, it's like a very complicated like side quest where you get to the end and you're like, where did I start again? <laughs> yes, and not just a member of the Lulu tribe, right? Uh, spoilers. For it was like the, the chieftain's point. grandson yeah. or something along those lines. Because the chieftain was very stubborn and hard-headed, and they butted, she he buggy hugged with her daughter, and the daughter ran off to the empire, and then they ended up in the slums. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's a lot to enjoy here. Um, yeah, if you read too many of the volumes too quickly in a row, it's going to start feeling a little repetitive. 
I do think it is eventually going towards an end goal at some point. Although I think I saw the translator for the series saying lol. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's what I saw saying that. I need to check the forums on Jane Apple Club. But um, yeah, I definitely recommend it. I guess for our next one, we will need to do that vending machine one. A, so we have some Isekai in here, and B, because that one's just weird. Unless there's something weird the one next year. I, I remember the one I suggested, I think, was Other Side Picnic, but you'd already seen the anime, so I wasn't sure if it would be weird enough then. Yeah. Although, to be clear, I've not seen the Other Side Picnic anime. However, I recommend the light novels on the sole basis that the art is way better than the novels. <laughs> yeah, okay. it was one of those anime that's kind of lacking, and just kind of the anime you're going to needing to, to get the point. <laughs> Yeah, I looked at the anime screenshots and I was like, these don't fill me, fill me with the same sense of dread I got from the novel illustrations. <laughs> like, the novel illustrations were like, yes, this really does look like you wandered into an alternate world of creepypasta. And the anime was just sort of, <laughs> bleh. I know they're light novels and they don't have many illustrations in them, but by God, the illustrations are important, folks. Yeah, and you were saying um, this story ends in two volumes. I was, I was kind of wondering what you, or how we're going to end in two volumes, but you saying that... Surprise, she, her granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, but like ultimately, she does uh, avoid her death by guillotine, uh, or at least the the presupposed death from whence she reincarnated. Um, yeah, the, the basic idea is that it was the Chaos Serpents who had instigated stuff in Tear Moon in Mia's original timeline, which other characters actually do remember bits and parts of, like in Dreams, and it's just really unsettling to a lot of them since they've become very different people in this current timeline. And since Mia has already started shearing up, um, shoring up Tear Moon, so it's less susceptible to these influences, they go to Remno, and then once they get captured in Remno, that kind of like defeats their original plan. And apparently, the punishment for this for some of these is that they just then have to listen to Perfina. Like I said, she's um, uh, someone else. She's a student council president. She's very pious. Just apparently, their punishment is listening to her read um, scripture over and over, and this just like <laughs> psychologically tortures them. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot of information, Helen. <laughs> I, I, I also think that Chaos Serpents is a very funny and good name for an antagonistic organization. It True. is. Maybe I'll steal it for a D&D campaign. No one will ever read this <laughs> among my friend group. As long as you don't call it, oh, what is it, like those who slither in the dark, no one will notice. <laughs> Whatever the actual Fire Emblem name is that came out around the same time. Wow. I don't think they play Fire Emblem either. Your friends are lacking in some... Japanese, like, fantasy influences, Corey. I actually don't play Fire Emblem. No, this is fair. That is an 80-hour game. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I guess until next time then, folks, unless you guys have any final thoughts. Oh, no, I was going to say, I'll finish up my thought from earlier. Um, dang. Oh, again, no. <laughs> we we exist to interrupt each other, so. <laughs> uh, that, like, it makes sense where, where it ends with the, with the second volume, um, and it makes sense that, like, you're able to build off of that uh, with the ideas that you built. Like, it doesn't uh, break the narrative much that she is avoiding her death and now she can live a happy life like that would be a satisfying ending but uh, having this other thing um, exist being sort of there and um, foreboding is uh, is good it's nice uh, it's, m- it's more of a conflict uh, direct conflict than stop stopping herself from dying Although I think Mia was a little alarmed at first when she read that she had, like, eight kids or something like that. I guess so many children, Mia. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how many it was, but it was enough to make even me, an Irish Catholic, be like, huh. <laughs> okay, the context is that my dad was one of seven. He had 40 first cousins on one side, so. Yeah, my mom was one of six, and my dad was one of four, so I'm familiar with large families. 
big family holiday parties. <laughs> yep. So until next time then, folks, um, where can we find everyone? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mondioran. I'm still alive. I still read manga and occasionally light novels. You can find me there. <laughs> Helen? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at London Dreamer. And you can find my reviews for Tear Moon Empire and a variety of other manga and light novels over on the OASG. Uh, I'm also on the OASG's podcast, which if you go searching for it, you'll need to look up. It's not my fault. The OASG podcast is not popular. We're a week behind, but that's just because we were supposed to record and then we realized, oh, all the winter anime is still airing. So we can't talk about it yet. So we're just going to push everything back by a week and pray for us. Y'all, there's been a lot of news. It's going to be a very long recording session. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Passionate K, and you can find this podcast on Twitter at Manga in Your Ears, and you can find all of our episodes over at taikupodcast.com, that's T-A-I-I-K-U, and uh, that's it. We're talking about light novels for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Talk to you later, folks. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.